0: Father in heaven, thank you for this day again that you've given to us, for the gift of life. Thank you for bringing us here again to study your word. And I pray that you would please be with us. Help us to continue to understand in a deeper way what it means to exercise faith. And I pray, Lord, that you would guide us through this time. Grace us with thy spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Today, what I want to do is, in this session, look at saving faith. And we already know that, but I'm going to give you another few examples from the Bible, okay, about how essential faith is to our salvation. And it's interesting, as I was sitting there in the morning devotion, um, were you thinking about righteousness by faith when you're thinking of Noah? And then he quoted again uh, Hebrews 11, verse 7, right? And uh, we look at that righteousness, but like I said, many times we we miss out faith, which is so important, which is so essential for us to be saved. Uh, Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Starting in verse 6, we're going to read all the way to verse 9. Romans chapter 10. Starting in verse 6. And today, yes, we're going to put the finishing touches on the importance of the law of God for obedience and everything. But in Romans chapter 10, verse 6, the Bible begins by saying this. But the righteousness which is of what? Faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. O who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of what? Faith, which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Saved. How are we saved according to to those last two verses, or even in that last verse. Verse 9. How shall we be saved? Confess with thy mouth, and what? Believe with thine heart. Look, the only way that we can be saved is once again through belief. Faith. And you know, if we have that faith, the Bible says, we will what? confess with our mouth. Do you see that? But in verse 8 it says, What saith it? The word is nigh in thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith. So somehow faith has also got to do with the application of us confessing or speaking from our heart. And that's why Noah was a preacher of Righteousness. Because when he had faith, the faith led him to do things that were already in his heart. Right? Even though he didn't understand. And that's, that's something that um, really runs through many of these characters that we've talked about and even the character that was highlighted this morning in Noah. You see, we looked at Who? Abraham yesterday right now we looked at a few things about Abraham I showed you Genesis 12 did Abraham know God's command in Genesis 12 verse 1 and 2 did he know his command yes or no are you sure okay what was the command of God in Genesis 12 1 and 2 Leave your country, right? Leave your house. Leave your kindred, everybody, right? So he knew the command. Did he know why? No. Yes, he did. What was, what was the reason? I will make, thee, of the great <laughs> I will make of thee a great nation. Okay, see, I caught you here. So he knew why, all right? But then when it came to Genesis 22, and he wanted him to offer his son Isaac on the mountain, Right? Did he know the command, yes or no? Some say yes, some say no. What was the command? Of your son Isaac, right? So yes, he knew the command. Did he know the reason why? No, he didn't. You see that? He had no idea why God wanted him to do this, except The command was clear. He just had to do it. You see that? He didn't understand the reason. Yet he still obeyed. Faith, it does not need a reason to act. But as Christians, we need the reason. Do you know that? Many a times, we refuse to obey until until we have a clear reason why. True? Many of us are like that. God, tell me the reason why before I do it. You know, Abraham could have stopped there and said, uh, you know, I'll look like pagan people. They offer their children up for sacrifice too. That, that's bad, right? Give them the wrong message of who you are. He could have had many reasons not to obey. But was the command clear? Yes. By His Word only, He acted upon that. Did you pray differently this morning? I hope you've been applying what you've been learning. God, if you're struggling with with something in your heart, God, help me to change. Not because of something that I can do, but because Your Word said I can be perfect. Did you claim that promise this morning like that? That's what it means to pray by faith. Right? You got to allow these lessons to begin to change your life. But here in Romans chapter 10, as we've just looked at, we're reminded again faith is the very substance that saves us and nothing else. Come with me to another text, Acts 16, 30 to 31. Acts 16, Acts chapter 16 verses 30 and 31. Acts 16, verses 30 and 31. This is when Paul and Silas were, were caught as prisoners and they were sitting in the jail cells praying and singing with one another and God shook the whole prison, right? And the prisoners were free And the God was about to kill himself because if the prisoners got free and ran away, his head would be on the chopping block. And then Paul calls out and says, don't, don't, don't kill yourself. We're all here, right? And in verse 29, they come and the the God falls down before them. And he asks this question in verse 30. And brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay. What must I do to be saved was a question. And sometimes we cringe at that sort of question, but it's true there is a part for us to play. Verse 31, and they said what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. That was all he did. That's all he needed to do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So once again, faith is the very substance that saves us and nothing else. John chapter 6. It's almost as if we're working our way book, backwards, book by book. John chapter 6, and verses 28 and 29. John six twenty-eight and 29. Are we all there? John 6, 28 and 29, the Bible says this. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. That was it. <laughs> In other words, maybe you're asking yourself this question since the appeal that was made this morning God, what can I do? How am I able to do the works that you want me to do? Like, for example, you know, I haven't been keeping the Sabbath, but I want to do it now. God, how am I able to do that? God, I've had this hot temper all my life, but I really want to change. How am I able now to be patient and to be mild mannered and to be gentle? How can I do that? How can I overcome these sins in my life? Jesus says what? What do you have to do? Believe. Believe. That's it. Have I convinced you enough? (laughs) It's almost as if what we call beating the dead cat. You know what I mean? Beating the dead cat. Like is this clear enough about faith? You look puzzled now. Look, works are necessary. In what way? Where do works come in into our faith? It's just a revelation of whether you have faith or not. Right? That's why we looked at the tree yesterday that was planted by the rivers of waters in Psalm chapter 1. But the problem is many think that faith is a passive thing. You know, I just believe. Right? But they don't realize that faith is active. It's the most substantial thing and the only real foundation that the the Christian can have it is the very force the driving force behind the christian that enables this person to even do right the reason why you have any good thing in your heart today is because your faith has grabbed hold of something in the word of god the fact that you're patient is not because you your whole family was just a quiet and patient group <laughs> It must have been something that your family taught you about the Word of God that had made you patient and your faith has been growing in there. Do you realize that? Anything good, James chapter 1 says, every good and perfect gift is from where? From above, right? So anything good in us is because faith is the active agent that is working in our heart. But then how do we harmonize those statements in Revelation where it says, blessed are they that, Do His. Come with me to Revelation 22. Revelation 22. And verse... Let me find it real quick. 14. Revelation 22 and verse 14. Because, you know, this is where... We begin to emphasize the law, but we, we can emphasize it in this way, but not forget faith, okay? Because sometimes it's easy to forget faith when you emphasize these sort of texts. Revelation 22, verse 14, the Bible says, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. Hmm. <laughs> How do we harmonize these statements then? Is it a prerequisite? In order for us to enter into heaven, we have to do His commandments? Yes or no? Yes. Anybody else? You agree with our brother here? Yes or no? I saw one person shake their head. Yeah, now, now you seem confused. Okay, he had no chance to keep the commandments. All right? So, is it a prerequisite that we have to keep the commandments of God in order to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Yes or no? Yes? 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 yes. <laughs> okay, so most of us say yes. And you know what? I agree with you. But remember, the only way that we're able to keep the commandments is because of what? The faith of Jesus. Are you with me? Had the thief come off the cross, he would have started keeping the commandments of God. Are you with me? He just didn't have the chance to show his works. That he was saved. By what? Grace through faith. You see? Can, can you see faith? Yes or no? Mm. Come with me in your Bibles to Mark. You see, this is the problem where I have my church members sitting in my, uh, <laughs> in my studies here because you, you know what I preached before. But come with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Can you see faith? Because faith is the very thing that saves us, but it almost seems like faith is a mystery and something that works in our mind and our heart, isn't it? But come with me to Mark chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 1, okay? And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive him, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Verse 4, And when they could not come nigh unto unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now, let's read verse 5 together. When Jesus saw their faith. Do you see that? When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What did Jesus see? Faith. Faith. Okay, but apart from faith, what did Jesus literally see? Okay, let the, the, let the man down from the roof. What else? Okay, that's too general. Apart from faith, what did they see? What was the action? You all sound so not confident. So he let them down the, from the roof. What else? It's in the Bible. Don't look at me. It's in the Bible. What else did he see? What else did they do? They broke the roof open. Anything else? Okay, you already said that. <laughs> they tried to come in through the house, through the door, through the window, right? I'm sure Jesus could have heard them or seen something through the windows, right? It's like, excuse me, excuse me. And people are shuffling, but they don't, they don't want to move for him, Right? they saw he saw their persistence he saw action does action in a sense save them no it's just a revelation of their faith but you cannot be saved without that action james chapter 2 let's go there you know many people <laughs> say that we must have faith and works together, and that's what we see in James 2, right? But you have to read this carefully. Let's go to James 2, and let's read again that verse that we read yesterday, verse 20. James chapter 2, verse 20. How does faith work? It says what? But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith what, without works is dead, right? Now if faith without works is dead, that means the absence of works shows the absence of what? Faith. You have no works, you have no faith. Does the action itself save us? No, then it doesn't. <laughs> so, really, when you go back to Revelation 22, you see, do you see how easy this theology can get to the point where you just mess it all up? Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have right to the tree of life, right? Does the action itself save us? No, it doesn't. But do you see how easy it is to preach something different? <laughs> I told you at the beginning that is, yes, we keep the comments, you'll be saved, right? It's the action that saves us, right? And no one disagreed with me. But you've been sitting in three sessions of mine yesterday. What exactly. <laughs> but you see, many of us have been thinking that way for too long. It doesn't save us, nothing we do saves us. The only thing that we can do is what? Belief That will save us. But you know what? You don't do His commandments, you're lost. Why? Tell me. If you don't do His commandments, you're lost. Why? Disobey God? No, we never talked about that. It's because what? You have no faith. No works. No faith. Faith without works is dead, right? So when it comes to James two fourteen, I want us to come to there. Verse fourteen, James chapter two, verse fourteen. The Bible says, "What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him?" The answer, of course, is no, right? But then we come down to verse eighteen. Yea. A man may say, "Thou hast faith, and I have works, show me thy faith without my works, without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works." Is that possible? No, it's not. Because you see, you know, this is where man is making a false profession, because if you go back to verse 14, right? It says what? What does it profit, my brethren, though a man what? Say he has faith and have not works. Can a man say he has faith and not works? Can he, listen, listen to my emphasis, can a man say he has faith and not works? Let, let me say it again, listen to my emphasis. Can a man say he has faith and not works? Of course he can. I can say anything I want, right? Does it mean it's true? Yeah. Sorry? Thousands of in right. Life. You know, this is why many people, it's, let me tell you, it's these people that say they have faith and not works that turn around and say, stop judging me. But Are you with me? Yeah. It's so easy to say, hey, stop judging me by my works how do you know I'm not doing right? Right? Just because I don't do this, just because I don't do that, stop judging me. It's these sorts of people that bring out this huge issue about being judgmental. Are you with me? It's these people that say I have faith. I say I am saved. Stop judging me by my works. Do you see that? This is the big issue that really confuses. I mean, this is we're going to the other spectrum now, right? One side is all about works. The other side is all about faith. But you can't. You have to have both. You can't have true works without faith. And you might think that it is so, but you know what? People point out all the time that how about the, the non Adventist, the non-Christian, right? Have you met these non-Christians that are just so generous, so kind, yes. so loving? Yes. So. They seem to have like the fruits of the Spirit? Yeah, yeah I've seen that. You know, then, then we make the, the claim that that's why it's better to find non-Adventists, right, than Adventists. Because this Adventist is so mean and so, uh, right? But not even... <clears throat> just... Calm down, brother. But when it comes to this, though, how do we harmonize that? The situation, those that are non-Adventists. Are they saved? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Come with me to Romans, chapter 2. And it's a text that, it was a, kind of like a question, you know, that was thrown out yesterday. Are only Adventists saved? Or No, no, it's not. And I made a statement that was just to flip it on its head, but I really wanted to show you this text. Romans chapter 2 and verse 13 to 15. This is the text for the non-Christian or non-Adventist, okay? Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 13. The Bible says this, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be what? Mm -hmm. Shall be what? Give me another word for justified, made righteous, okay? So look, the doers of the law shall be made. Hey, but wait a minute, Romans is a book of all about living by faith. We read this in Romans 1. (laughs) Okay? But he says what? The doers of the law, just like how Abraham did what? Yesterday, we looked at this. He did what? He sacrificed his son, Isaac. Was that a law? Yes, because God said, Abraham, offer your son Isaac. It was a command. And if he didn't do it, he was breaking God's word. Right? So the doers of law shall be justified. Abraham, he was righteous, but his faith wasn't perfect until he did that act in Genesis 22. But look, the doers of law shall be justified. Now, verse 14. For when the Gentiles which have not the law, so who are the Gentiles today? Non-Christian, non-Avnus, right? They don't have the law. Do by nature the things contained in the law. These that don't have the law, they are a law to themselves, okay? So all these Christians, I'm sorry, all these non-Christians out there, They don't have the law of God. They don't even know what the Ten Commandments are. But by nature, they do the things in the law. They said, these who don't have the law, meaning these Gentiles, it is a law to themselves. In what way? Verse 15. Which show the work of the law written where? In their hearts. Their what? Conscience also bearing witness... And their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or less, else excusing one another. What accuses them or excuses them? No, it doesn't say that. What excuses or accuses them? Their thoughts. And of course, you are right, but what really in our mind accuses and excuses us, it's our? It's our conscience. Right? Does everybody have a conscience in this world? Yes or no? Yeah. You know, evolutionists cannot... Explain where the conscience came from. (laughs) No one can explain where the conscience came from. But you know what? You don't have to be a Christian to have a conscience. Everybody has a conscience. And so that's why, when it comes to those that are non Christian or non Adventist, they are able to be in heaven. Because there are some in the world, although they have never even heard of the name of Jesus, they are doing all the good that they know to do. Are you with me? Doesn't it mean it's right in the coin to the Bible? Yes or no? Okay, you, I lost you. Let me say this again. There are those in the world that have never heard of the name of Jesus, okay? They're non-Christian. But they are doing all the right that they know in their mind to do. Does everybody have a sense of right and wrong? Do you have non-Christian friends? Do they have a sense of what is right and wrong? Yeah. Do they believe we shouldn't kill? Yeah. Everybody believes that. You don't need to be Christian to believe that killing is bad. But here's a question. What's the difference between them and us then? If they can be saved, and we can be saved, what's the difference? Because in Romans it says then, what's the advantage of being a Christian then? If non-Christians can be saved. <laughs> you know, the advantage is this. We have what we call the Bible. And this is the reason why, even though some people have such twisted thinking about evangelism, You know, they'll say, Well, Pastor, if the non-Christian can be saved, and, you know, I see my... Just take, for example, he's my Hindu friend, okay? And he's such a great guy. He's doing everything that Hindu religion has taught him. Do you think he's saved, yes or no? Probably, right? Because he's doing the good that he knows to do, okay? And then people ask me, Well, why do you want to share the gospel with him? If you share the gospel with him and he rejects it, then he's lost. Right? Have you thought this way before? People ask me this whenever I teach a evangelism class. It's like, before he met you, he was saved. After he met you, he's lost. (laughs) That's even worse, right? Why should I share the gospel with him? Because this is what I call the pure conscience. There are some people in this world that thinking killing people is a good thing. And if I don't kill somebody, I'm bad. And you know what? God might judge them according to what the good they knew that they really should kill somebody. I don't know, okay? But if you want to live the best life on this earth, if you want to have the most abundant life on this earth, you need to give them the gospel. Amen? This is why we as Christians continue to share the Bible because this is the best news, better than any news you got in the world. This is why health message even becomes salvational to people. Isaiah 66 says very clearly, Isaiah 66 says very clearly that there will be those in the last days who are eating pork and the mouse and the abomination and they'll be consumed with fire. You know why? Because they knew what was good. James 4:17. Let's go there real quick. James 4:17. And this is the standard by which everybody is judged in the world. James chapter 4 verse 17. <clears throat> this applies not just to the Adventist Not just to the Christian, but to every person living on the earth. Are we all there? James chapter 4, verse 17. The Bible says this, Therefore to him that knoweth to do what? Good, and do it not. To him it is what? Sin. Sin is not just a transgression of the law. Sin is also knowing what is good, but not doing it. And you know, in the world, if you know what is good and you don't do it, you know what happens? Your conscience begins to bother you. Right? When your mom says, son, no computer game, while you are studying during the week. You turn on that computer and you're disobeying mom and dad and you're playing a computer game. And you hear the garage door open. (sighs) And your heart starts pounding really fast. You know what's happening? Your conscience is condemning you. Are you with me? To him that knoweth to do good and doesn't do it, it becomes sin. So does everyone have an element of faith? Yes. Because we are not saved by our works. We are saved by faith. To the Christian, it's faith in the Word of God. To the non-Christian, it's faith where then? In our conscience. Because you know what is another name for the conscience? It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. Come with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. And verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Let me show you that the Holy Spirit is also our conscience. For the Christian, it's the Word of God, and of course, the Holy Spirit. Let's not negate the fact that we need to be born of water and the Spirit, right? But then, to those who don't know the Word of God, it's just the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a what? Discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is a discerner of your thoughts and your intentions. (laughs) Can the Word of God really do that? No. The word of God here is compared to as what as a sword, right? In Ephesians 6:17, what is the sword? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17, it says, "And take the helmet of salvation, and also the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God." The reason why the Word of God is able to discern our thoughts and our intents is because the Holy Spirit is working through those pages. Do you see that? It's not the Word of God alone that does that. Every time you see the Word of God, you always see the Holy Spirit. Always. They work in harmony with one another. But the person that doesn't have the Word of God, that is not Christian, never heard about the Bible before, to everybody, there's given a measure of the Holy Spirit as well. You know, in Genesis 6, when Noah was talked to by God, he said, My spirit shall not always strive with a man. <laughs> and that man was not just referring to Noah. Because if Noah didn't have the Holy Spirit during the time of the flood, <laughs> he would be lost with everyone else, right? It was all the other people that the Holy Spirit does not strive with men. So look, what advantage do we have? Every way, because we have a better way of life. We have a God who made us, understands how we, we should work and operate. He knows what's best for us. He knows that man should rest one day a week. He knows that we should be eating vegetarian diet. Amen? Amen? Amen. There's one thing I remember, Pastor Danton, I appreciate you talking about the fat in the blood because not many people talk about the fat and the blood. You know, if you're still eating meat, make sure you get the fat and the blood out, right? Amen? If not, you know what? You're not eating meat the right way. <laughs> that means you know if you want to eat meat, you can't go down to the, the, the Gurney Drive there and order a beef noodles. It's, you're not eating meat the right way. You're eating the fat and the blood. And if you know now you know, Leviticus three seventeen, if you know what is good and you don't do it, guess what it is? It's sin. It becomes salvational to us. Do you realize that? It's not a health lecture, by the way. It's a Bible study. And remember, faith is built upon what? The Word of God God only. Okay? Leviticus 3.17. Write it down. Please don't forget it. Right? So, let me show you a few quotes from the pen of inspiration. Some of my favorite quotes on faith. Um, taken from Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 2, page 539.5. This is some of my really favorite quotes that I like about faith. There's a lot out there, of course. Um, Unfortunately, I can't show you every quote on faith. We'll be here a long time. But speaking from Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 2, page 539, paragraph 5. She says this, I find that I have to fight the good fight of faith how often? How often? Every day. I have to exercise all my faith and not rely upon feeling. I have to act as though I knew the Lord heard me and would answer me and bless me. Do you see what she said there? I have to act as though I knew the Lord heard me and would answer me and bless me. She had that sort of faith that even though she didn't feel it, she still believed it. Faith is not a happy flight of feeling. Now, what I, the reason why I underlined this is because this almost sounds exactly like what I told you yesterday. Faith is expecting the Word of God to do what it says and what? Depending on the Word of God to do what it says. Now, this is what she says. It is simply taking God at His word. That's all. Believing that He will fulfill His promises because what? He said he would. You know, I hate it when my parents say, uh, why do you have to do this? Because I said so. Just do it. Right? But you know what? Their word becomes authority. That's why Ellen White says, for the first 8 to 12 years of a kid's life, the parents is like God to them. If I feel like giving you the reason, I'll give it to you. But whatever, you better obey me first. Right? Faith is taking God at His Word, believing that He will fulfill His promises because He said He would. Look, you have to look at the Word of God and it will be fulfilled no matter what, no matter how you feel, no matter your circumstances, no matter how bad a position you're in. He'll do it. He says things like, I have not seen the righteous suffer hunger. Right? Right? So, when, when you're thinking as a husband with wife and three kids, challenged with Sabbath, oh God, should I do it? If I don't, how am I going to support my family? i got a loan, I've got you know, petrol, food, i got to do, provide, for the, provide for the family. Remember the text. God said, I'll provide for you, right? Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then what? All these things shall be added to you. What is righteousness? To do right. Is keeping the Sabbath doing right? Yes. Then you've got to take Him at His word and believe He will fulfill His promise. He will provide for you and your family. Don't worry. That's how we make the words of God practical. God's amazing grace 266, paragraph 5. We are too faithless, she says. Oh, how I wish that I could lead our people to have faith in God. They need not feel that in order to exercise faith, they must be wrought up into a high state of excitement. <laughs> okay? You know, sometimes we, we uh, associate our faith too much with emotions, and people don't realize that. And they go away from this and they they think, Oh, God is not with me because I'm in this down situation. All they have to do is what? Believe God's Word. That's all you have to do. Amen? 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 Just as they believe one another's words. Hey, don't you believe one another's words? We we believe actually one another's words more than we do the word of God. He hath said it and he will perform his word. It's that simple. Calmly rely on his promise, because he means all that he says. Say, He has spoken to me in his word, and he will fulfill every promise that he has made. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. He has spoken to me in his word and He will fulfill every promise that He has made. you got to believe that. God said it. God will do it. You know, in Hebrews it says that He couldn't swear by any greater than upon Himself. You know why? Because His Word is so powerful to perform it. He can't lie. It just depends whether you think God is trying to deceive you or not. <laughs> right? Do not become restless. Be trustful. God's Word is true. Act as if your Heavenly Father could be trusted. In other words, what she's saying is many times we don't act like God can be trusted. And we take the whole situation into our own hands. And we try to work it out for ourselves. Act as if you can trust your Heavenly Father that everything He says is what? True. So realize that it's not God that needs to change, it's our mindset of how we look at the Word of God needs to be changed. Do you believe that there's a hellfire coming? Do you believe that there's a Sunday law coming? Do you believe that that Sunday law is going to be instituted by the United States of America and those Protestant churches over there? Then what are you doing about it? How is your faith changing you? Because with no works, there's no what? It's easy to profess, isn't it? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Show me that you believe. That's what God is trying to say. But you've got to act as if your heavenly Father could be trusted. <laughs> Bible Commentary, Volume 6, page 1073, paragraph 9. Faith is not the ground of our salvation, but it is the great blessing. Okay? The basis of our salvation is what? It's grace which faith grabs hold upon, okay? The eye that sees, the ear that hears, the feet that run, the hand that grasps. That's faith. It is the means, not the end. If Christ gave his life to save sinners, why shall I not take that blessing? You know, many times we think Christ died for us, so we get baptized, and after that he leaves us. That's how we feel. Go figure it out yourself. It's like he's walking with us all the way into the baptism pool and then we're all alone after that. <laughs> no, quite the contrary. If Christ gave his life to save sinners, why, not, why shall I not take that blessing? My faith grasps it and thus my faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Thus resting and believing, I have peace with God through the Lord Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. But, okay, so did you hear the question? So, it's, for example, what she's saying is if, if we claim a promise of God, and will it come true in spite of even though I might be unfaithful, like Abraham, he had Hagar, but then eventually he had what? Isaac, right? Will his promise still come true? Absolutely. In what way? Let's, give me a promise in the Bible. That will be head and not the tail. Will that happen one day? Yes. When? Don't know when? Oh, we do. Definitely. We if it doesn't happen in your lifetime, it'll definitely happen later on in your lifetime. I mean, this earthly life. Absolutely. When you're standing in the New Jerusalem and you see Satan and all the wicked burnt up, do you think you're the head and not the tail? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll definitely be fulfilled. <laughs> but do we want to claim that promise for now? Yeah. And you know, if it takes years and years and years, okay, so if we're a prophet like Joseph and we have a dream and a vision from God and he tells us clearly that our brothers are going to bow down to us, how long did it take for that dream to be fulfilled? Huh? Twelve years? He was in Potiphar's house about twelve years. Then... At the very least, it was another two, if not four years in prison. And then on top of that, there was how many years of good food? Seven. 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 But when did the brothers come? Seven. Famine, right? So easily over 20 years. <laughs> Unless there's a condition attached to the promise. Of course, if there's a condition attached to the promise. But when it comes to... Um, so these sorts of visions that were given, like to Joseph. Was it dependent upon his faithfulness?: no. Of course it was.: If he had an affair with part of his wife, do you think he'd be standing before Pharaoh? He'd be dead. Right? You see that?: but faithful I know, but no one killed him because of his unfaithfulness. You see that? But you know, Abraham, he actually exercised faith. Why? Because his body was already dead by the age of 86. Do you know that? So he first considered not his own body dead. And he went into Hagar and had seed. And that's why when it came to the situation where Sarah said what? God hath restrained me from bearing. It still took a miracle for Abraham's body to come back to life. Do you see that? So when we look at these promises, are God's words promises that will be fulfilled? Absolutely. Our part is not whether they will be fulfilled or not, though. Because then Abraham could have sat there and reasoned with God, God, Isaac is the son through which you promised there will be many seed like the stars of heaven that cannot be counted, right? He could have stopped himself from obeying. because he had faith. Sorry, did you hear the question? Why did he allow his body to be resurrected even though it's not the right woman? Cuz he had faith. It just wasn't perfect. <laughs> he did have faith. <laughs> it's just at that moment he stumbled and he listened to his wife. You know. But look, let's keep going. I want to This is one of my all-time favorites. I love this quote. Please if you have to, take a picture of this one. If there's any one, I want you to remember, it's this one. Gospel Wilco, page 259, paragraph 2. Listen to this. True faith and true prayer, how strong they are. They are as two arms by which the human suppliant lays hold upon the power of infinite love. Now watch this. Tr- faith is what? Trusting in God. Believing that He what? Loves us and knows what is for our best good. Thus, instead of our own way, it leads us to choose His way. Look, this gives us a bit of insight of what we're thinking when, when we don't act upon faith. Faith is believing that God what? Loves us. So anything He gives us in the Bible is not for our bad. It's for our good. Do you believe that? I'm sure you think that way of your parents. How can you think that your parents hate you? Okay, maybe there are some that grow up in a bad home, right? They might think that way and they can't wait to run away or whatever it is. But you know, the normal average kid, they believe that their parents love them, right? No matter what they put on the table, they will eat it. Right? You won't. You don't see a kid at the dinner table thinking, my parents are trying to poison me. I'm not going to eat that. Have you ever seen anyone think that way with their parents? No, right? (laughs) This is why it's so hard for, for kids to choose and put parents second and God first because we know, we know that our parents love us. But do you know God loves you infinitely more? And that everything He has put in here is a love letter to you? (laughs) Everything. From those relationships to your diet to taking the Sabbath off. (laughs) Right? Everything He's given to us is not because, you know, and and let me try to describe this mindset, but sometimes we, we, we think that God is testing us to see how much we want heaven. So he wants to see how much we can take. We can tahan, right? How much we can stand before he like, open the gate and says, okay, ah, I got you, okay, come, come to heaven. You know what I mean? It's like God's trying to just put all this pressure on us and just see whether we really want it or not. You know, it's like those fraternities that put you through all this make you run naked through the school or drink a hundred bottles of beer do you really want to come into our fraternity and we think about God that way sometimes so we can't it anymore oh, I'd rather have the world God forget heaven you know what I mean and we have this twisted thinking about who God is but faith is believing that God loves us and knows what is for our best good And you know, as a result, if you have this mindset, it is easy, instead of choosing our own way, it leads us to choose His way. In place of our ignorance, it accepts His wisdom. In place of our weakness, His strength. In place of our sinfulness, His righteousness. Our lives, ourselves, are already His. Faith acknowledges His ownership and accepts its blessings. Truth. Uprightness, purity are pointed out as secrets of life's success. It is faith that puts us in possession of these. Every good impulse or aspiration is the gift of God. Faith receives from God the life that alone can produce true growth and efficiency. You know, when you realize that God knows best and He really loves you, you're willing to say, you know what, God, I really don't know the best. And I always like to talk about this because it's the Adventist sin. Apart from eating meat. (laughs) It's coffee. You know, there's so many. I even see my church members in Taiwan, they go out and buy coffee on Sabbath and try to hide it from me. It's just so sad. I feel sad because they're trying to hide from me and not from God. You know, when we're ignorant and you see something like that coffee and tea drinking is sin our natural reaction is to if we like it we try to reason our way out of it well coffee makes me more alert it helps me perform better it helps me to get up from my work and uh, from my sleep and I can you know go to school and go to class and go to work and we try to reason things out don't we and honestly, look, I'm not a scientist. I can't tell you exactly how coffee works. I have not gone into the lab and tested it and, and, and managed it with 100 test subjects and see what really happens. I haven't done all of that. But then you can go to the websites and you see that coffee is good for you, isn't it? You can find research there. You can find research that wine is good for you, right? And, and all these things. But when we say, God, I know you love me, and you read that and it comes in conflict with what you're thinking and feeling and practicing, faith will tell us, God, I'm ignorant. I really don't know. I'll accept your wisdom. Why? Because I know you love me. And then you know what? As a result, it is so easy to grow as a Christian. And start applying everything without questioning. You know, that was the experience of Abraham. In Genesis 22, when the voice came to Abraham and he told Abraham to go sacrifice your son on the mountain, right? You know, Ellen White, you want to know what she writes? She says, Abraham went back to the tree where he met the three men that were walking along the way. Do you remember that story? And then, you know, one of them was Jesus and he stayed back with with Abraham and the other two went to Sodom and Gomorrah to save Lot, right? He went back to that tree and he waited and he waited. Nobody came. And we're told that the voice that spoke to him in that morning did not come back to him at all until he had the knife raised up over his son. And then the voice said, stop, Abraham. Now I know that you fear me. He didn't understand the reason why. But he did it anyways. Because he knew that his God loved him. Do you see that? He didn't tell his wife. You know why? The only thing he could say to the wife was, God told me to. And she might think he's crazy. (laughs) He didn't tell his wife. (laughs) He just went ahead and did it. And that's sometimes what we have to do when it comes to the practice of the Word of God. You might never find the reason why on this side of heaven. But should that be the reason why it stops you from obeying? Absolutely not. Why Because faith, believing that God loves us. Do you believe He loves you? That it's time to apply those things that you've been holding off on because you've been waiting for an answer or a reason. Or, I want to know the result, the end from the beginning. right? Let's look at one more quote. Faith and feeling. Sorry, Manuscript Release, Volume 5. I have to say it because of the audio, they don't have a visual. Manuscript Release, Volume 5, page 206.3, or Paragraph 3. Manuscript Release, Volume 5, page 206.3. Faith and feeling should not be confounded together. They are as distinct as the East is from the West. In the darkest hours, it is then that we should exercise faith, and not suffer our feelings to govern us, but press our faith through the dark clouds to the throne of God and claim the blessing of heaven. When should we exercise faith? Tell me. We just read it. In the darkest hours is when we should exercise faith. When our faith grasps the blessing, then the blessing is ours. For our faith has got hold of it, and when our faith brings the blessing down to us, the dark clouds scatter, and divine rays of light from Jesus illumina darkness, then it is no more faith, it is what? Feeling. The evidence has come, and it is faith, a feeling that has swallowed up faith. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> okay, let me try to Paraphrase this. Look, the only time that we can exercise faith is when? Is in our trials, in the darkest hours. Okay, That's when we have to exercise faith. This is not how we build faith. We'll look at that, okay? But this is how we exercise faith. It's only in the darkest hours. But you know what? When your faith clings to God and you won't let go, and you're like, Abraham, you know? Sorry, Jacob... (laughs) <laughs> and you say, God, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me, and He blesses you, through those dark hours, you lost your job by keeping the Sabbath. And you lost your job for a whole year. You, you, you couldn't find another job. And it was trying, but you refused to blame God. You say, God, I'm still going to go to church. God, I'm still going to follow you. And at the end of the year, you get a job and you say, praise God. And you're standing up before the church saying, praise the Lord. This is what God did for me. That's not faith anymore. That is what? That's feeling. And it's really interesting how she says it. She says, feeling swallows up faith. Bye-bye, no more. You don't need faith anymore. It's all feeling. So when your trial disappears, faith disappears with it. The exercise of it, that is. Do you realize that? When trials come, let me put it a different way. When trials come, they don't build your faith. Do you know that? Many people have this wrong understanding of, I need trials in order to grow. No. All trials do is reveal what sort of faith you have. Okay? All trials do is reveal what sort of faith you have. They don't build your faith. Let me give you an example. When a soldier goes out to war, is he building, is he training now when he goes out to war? No. It just reveals whether he's trained or not. You know what I mean? if you don't know how to hold your sword in war, you can't say to the enemy, just wait, just wait, just wait. How do you hold your sword? You think he's going to teach you? Yes or no? Of course not. You just have to fight. It just reveals whether you've been practicing or not, right? That's the trial. You have to be the soldier in times of peace. You take a wooden sword and with your friend, you ha ha, 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 whatever, right? You go, You take the real sword and chop the wood, right? <laughs> build up your strength and your stamina, right? Know how to hold your sword. Put on the armor and, and run with it and see how long you can run for. Whatever you, I don't know what you need to do, right? But in times of peace, that's when you train for war. In times of peace, this is where you have to build your faith. And when the trial comes, your faith will be revealed. What sort of foundation? you were building upon do you see that so how is your faith today you won't know until you go through a trial it will not be revealed at least to men and women around you you will not know until the trial comes and so what we try to do now is build your faith help you to build your faith to grasp the promises of God. I'm sorry, I don't know how long I've gone for. Oh, it's over an hour already. Um, Do you know what time this session is meant to end? Oh, it's over already. (laughs) I think we started a bit late. (laughs) Okay. So, are you understanding that when it comes to faith yes it doesn't it, the, the, the works don't save us but it reveals what sort of faith we have isn't it and that's only revealed in times of trial when do you know a patient, person is patient huh when you make them wait right and I'm telling you I'm the sort of person who hates waiting I like to be punctual. I'm not always, but at my very best, I like to be punctual. And I, you know, many times I get twisted and bent out of shape when people are late. Um, But that's when your faith is revealed, right? How do you know a person is loving? Because you see them every week and they pat you on the back and say, hey, happy Sabbath. Is that when you know they're loving? No. When do you know they're loving then? Okay. What situation do you need to go through to know whether the person loves you or not? Try waking them up at one o'clock in the morning and say, uh, uh, "I need help with my car. Got a flat tire." <laughs> right? See whether they'll come. It's through those trials that your faith is revealed. So, next session, we're going to look at how we can build our faith. I've been touching it here and there. But we're going to go through and know how we can use our sword and fight the devil and do those things that need to be done, right? So, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll stop here for the time being. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for giving us a measure of faith. I thank you that you've given us tools by which we can fight against the devil. And Lord, I thank you that you are more than willing to bless your people and that you love us with an endless love. Help us, Lord, to always remember that. And so as our faith reminds us of that, it will then become easy to choose your way instead of ours and to follow in the footsteps that you have outlined, and not question, but to believe and to be trusting in you. So, Father, please continue to build our faith, continue to guide us, and teach us how to continue to exercise this faith that you've given to us. For We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse